If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Many Old Testament incidents illustrate some great Bible truths. And that's just such a case in this story related in 1 Kings 18, verses 41 through 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, again, he said Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. This incident that we read in our text is very interesting, and it illustrates God's ability to work through and in keeping with the laws of nature for the good of his people. When a person understands this truth, he gets a clear picture of God's special divine providence. Note the background of the story from chapters 17 and 18. Israel had gone into the practice of idolatry, largely through the influence of Jezebel. Hard times followed, and a three-year drought intensified the problem. King Ahab blamed the prophet Elijah for the drought. Notice with me 1 Kings 18, verses 17 and 18. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Well, this set the stage for the contest between all of the prophets of Baal and Elijah, recorded in 1 Kings 18, verses 19 through 40. All of the prophets of Baal failed in their attempt to get Baal to accept their sacrifice. Elijah and God won the contest. After the prophets of Baal were executed, Elijah prayed for rain, and God answered his prayer. But in answering that prayer, he worked through natural law in a very special way. A cloud preceded the rain. cloud came up from the sea. The sky became black with clouds, and the wind blew. These are all natural occurrences for rain. If the rain had fallen out of a clear blue sky, that would have been miraculous. Now God worked in a different way in response to Elijah's prayer. During the great contest, God answered Elijah's prayer with a miracle. Remember after Elijah 
built the altar and made it as put the, got everything ready for the sacrifice. Notice with me verses 33 and 34 of 1 Kings 18. After putting wood on the altar and laying the sacrifice on it, he said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. There was so much water that verse 35 says, So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with the water. When Elijah prayed to God, verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. So God sent a fire to, to burn up the sacrifice in a supernatural way. In our text, verses 41 through 46, God used natural law, a rain that came from a cloud instead of raining out of a blue sky. God has the same power today. Today, God works through natural laws and not miracles. Don't try to limit God's power to just miracles. A lot of people think that's the only way God can work is through miracles. Well, no, that's not the way God works at all today. We want to study tonight the difference between miracles and natural laws or God's providence, divine providence. For the past couple of weeks, uh, Doug has been teaching the class on Wednesday night about the miraculous gifts of the Spirit. And I thought this would be a good time to talk about the difference between miracles and God's providence. There are differences between miracles and divine providence. Sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between things that are similar. We need to be mature spiritually to recognize some of those differences. Hebrews 5 and verse 14 says, Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by natural the reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When two things have some similarities, then confusion can be, become easy. Siblings may look similar to each other, especially if they're twins. But there's still a difference between the individuals. Even though they are similar, they are still distinct individuals. Such is the case between miracles and special divine providence. So what is a miracle? Well, two different Greek words are used and defined as miracle. They're both found in Acts chapter 8 and verse 13. And there we read, When Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued to Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, both of these words are sometimes translated miracle. The first word in the Greek is dunamis. It can be translated miracle, power, or strength. 
Young defines this as an act of power. Vine says, power, inherent ability, is used of works of a supernatural origin and character such as could not be produced by natural agents and means. And Thayer says, the power of performing miracles. That's dunamis. The second word is samion. That can be translated miracle or sign or wonder. Young says it means a sign. Vine says a sign, mark, token used of miracles and wonders as signs of divine authority. And Thayer says a sign, prodigy, portent, that is such an unusual occurrence transcending the common course of nature. So in short, a miracle is something which was done that is contrary to the laws of nature to prove that God was working through the individual who was able to demonstrate that power. Now a lot of confusion comes as a result of the misuse of the word miracle. So many people use the word miracle and say, oh, that was a miracle. Like the birth of a baby or somebody surviving something that could have resulted in death. It was just a miracle that they survived. Or some unusual thing. They, they refer to that as, as a miracle. Well, no, that's, that's not a miracle. I'm reminded of a preacher friend of mine that years ago they had a little girl and the doctor told them they could not have any more children. And so they adopted a little Vietnamese boy. He was about the same age as our son John. And uh, they kind of grew up together for a couple of years while we were in Chicago. Well, lo and behold, preacher's wife got pregnant. And the doctor said, oh, that, that, that's a fluke. That's not going to happen. That just can't happen. Well, a couple of years later, she had another baby. He said, well, that, that's a devil. You know, that's just not going to happen anymore. A couple of years later, they had another baby. <laughs> and so they shot the stork after that. But, you know, people talk about miracles. There are things that we don't expect, but they're nothing like the miracles that we read about in the Bible. A miracle is something that is obviously contrary to the laws of nature. And so what is providence? Well, providence is a biblical idea that could be self-explained. We break, down it, break it down in syllables. Providence. Providence. In Genesis chapter 22 and before that, Isaac, Abraham was told to go offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. In Genesis 22 and verse 8, after Isaac had said, look, there's the fire and, and the wood, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? In Genesis 22 and verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And after the angel stopped Abraham from offering Isaac, Abraham looked behind him and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And he offered the ram for a burnt offering. In Genesis 22 and verse 14, it says, And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. We're all aware of Hebrews chapter 11 that gives a, a great list of 
sometimes called the, the heroes of faith. It lists several people who demonstrated their faith and a, a little bit about how they demonstrated that faith. The last two verses of Hebrews 11, verses 39 and 40, say, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In a sense, everything that we have is by the providence of God. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. But in this lesson, we're dealing with special cases of God's special divine providence. God can, in a very special way, work things out for our benefit. In Romans 8 and verse 28, Paul says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. God makes it, he doesn't say everything's going to be good. But God can work everything together for our good. He does that through natural laws, not through miracles, but through natural laws, he makes things work together for our good. Now, there are similarities in miracles and providence. God is the author of each one. And God uses his power in each one. Each one is used for the benefit of mankind. And both of them can come in response to man's request. But they don't always come as a result of man's request. Man does not fully understand either of them because they are demonstrations of God's power. And we cannot fully understand either the miracles or God's providence. Because this is something God does that we cannot fully understand that. But we're concerned with the difference between the miracles and God's divine providence. Well, first of all, they serve different purposes. Miracles have served various purposes in God's plan. In the creation, all things were created by God by miracle. And they're perpetuated by natural law. God spoke most things into existence. God said it, and there it was. The universe, the sun, moon, the stars, the planets, including earth, plant and animal life. And then in Genesis 1 and verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. In chapter 2 of Genesis and verse 7, the Lord, breathed, or Lord God formed man in the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God took the dust of the ground and made man from it. God could have just as easily made man from stone. In fact, John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 and verse 9, Do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. But now God does not make man from dust, nor has he ever made man from stone. But man is made from natural law. Secondly, miracles have been performed to initiate and increase faith. 
In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John writes, And truly Jesus did many other signs, in other words, miracles, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Thirdly, miracles were performed to prove that the one with the power to perform them was doing God's work. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. In other words, miracles were the credentials to demonstrate that God was with the individual through whom the miracles were performed. When God was talking to Moses at the burning bush, notice with me Exodus 4 verses 1 through 8. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. He said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. He said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. Hundreds of years later, God sent His Son, Jesus, into the world. His miracles proved that He was from God. Jesus healed all kinds of physical problems instantaneously and miraculously. In John 3 and verse 2, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus' miracles prove that he was indeed the Son of God. Without those miracles, even Jesus could not distinguish himself from false teachers. His resurrection was the final crowning proof that he was the Son of God. And fourthly, miracles have been used to confirm the word which the apostles taught. In Mark 16 and verse 20, we read, They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. The apostles cast out demons, they gave sight to the blind. They enabled the lame to walk. They cast out demons and, did all, and healed all kinds of sicknesses. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the writer says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. 
Now, miracles were never performed for the sole benefit of man. For example, Timothy was not healed miraculously, but rather in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 23, Paul told him no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Trophimus was another example. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 20, Paul wrote, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. And so here are two individuals that could have been useful, but they were sick, and they were not healed miraculously. Now special divine providence is an avenue through which God works especially for his children. He uses it in supplying our needs, our cares, our protection, or anything else for our benefit. Again, Romans 8 and verse 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to his purpose. Providence is something that God does, not out in the open like miracles, but behind the scenes. Something that we cannot see, it just happens. Well, there's also a difference as to time. Miracles were for a special purpose. And when that purpose was fulfilled, the miracles ceased. God used miracles in creating the universe. The creation is finished. He doesn't do that anymore. All truth has been revealed. James 4, or John 16 and verse 13, and Jude verse 3. And so we can have all faith, because faith comes by hearing God's word, and we have it all. All the truth has been confirmed, as we've already read, by the miracles that were performed. And so there's no more confirmation needed for the truth. The truth was man's greatest need because of our sins. And Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But although the truth has been confirmed, that is not our only need. We have other needs as well. And so a continual need suggests continual providence. God is going to help us. He's going to do it providentially as long as we have those needs. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 26 through 30, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is to tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus tells us we're not to worry about things like that. God knows, he cares, and he provides for all of those needs. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. So God is going to take care of us just like he takes care of the birds, all the other animals. God takes care of them. 
takes care of that, the plants as well. Well, God teaches us to pray. In Matthew 7 and verse 8, Jesus said, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. God wants us to pray. God wants us to express our needs to him because he cares about us. In James 4 and verse 2, James says, You do not have because you do not ask. Now think about that. Are there some things that we don't have because we don't ask? James says there are. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Well, if we ask, if we pray about it, how's going to, how is God going to provide it for us? Through natural means, through natural laws, through His providence. In James 5 and verse 16, James says, confess your fault, your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Why do we pray? We pray because we're seeking God's help. We're seeking God's providence. We're wanting God to help us in our lives. Jesus said we're to pray for our daily bread. Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Why do we pray for God to provide us if he's not going to do anything? Think about the woman that every day she would get up, go outside on the porch, and she would yell, praise the Lord. And her neighbor living close to her got kind of tired of that. So the next morning she came out and said, praise the Lord. And he says, there is no Lord. You're a fool. The next morning she got, praise the Lord. And he got up and came out and said, there is no God, you're a fool. That went on for a while, and finally one day she got out and she said, praise the Lord. She said, God, I, I really need some more food. And the guy came out and he said, there is no God, you're a fool. Well, that night he thought, I'm going to fix her. And so he went to the store and he bought a few sacks of groceries and he put them on her porch. And she came out the next morning and she said, praise the Lord, he gave me some food man came out and said, there is no God. I brought that food out there. You're a fool. And she said, praise the Lord. You brought me food and made the devil pay for it. <laughs> you know, but we do pray for things that we need. And one of those things is our food. We pray for our family. We pray for the world. God tells us to pray for the leaders of this world. We pray for our young people that go to on trips like they have this afternoon. We pray for our kids at school. We pray for our family members that are not around us. Why do we pray for those things and about those things if God is not going to do something for us, if God is not going to act? So as long as we have needs, God's providence is going to continue. There's a difference in relation to natural law. Miracles were acts that were contrary to the laws of nature. Otherwise, they would not be a sign. Peter walked on water. <laughs> you just cannot do that. The blind were 
and able to see instantaneously. That just doesn't happen. Malchus' ear was, was cut off and put right back on, and it worked just like nothing ever happened. Oddities happen too often to be a sign. Think about any miracle in the Bible. There, there are numerous miracles in the Bible. And see, it's only a sign when it's an obvious law of nature that has been broken. It goes against all the laws of nature. Lame people that were born that way, all of a sudden, instantaneously, miraculously, can walk and jump. Withered hand, instantaneously restored. The dead are raised to life again. In providence, God may intervene, but He only intervenes through the laws of nature. We pray for people to get well who are sick. We want people to pray for us when we are sick. We don't expect God to perform a miracle like they did in the, in the Bible times, but we do expect God to help us. When we pray for food, it doesn't just miraculously appear on the dinner table. We pray for clothing. It, does, it doesn't just suddenly appear in our closet. God uses natural means to provide for us. This is seen in Elijah's prayer for rain. In James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. James writes, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he says, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. In our text, in 1 Kings 18, verse 42 says, Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Prayer is not mentioned. But James tells us that he it's implied with his head between his knees. In verse 45 of 1 Kings 8, 18 says, The sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was heavy rain. Again, there's a difference in regard to man's understanding of them. Miracles were signs that were often done out in the open. Everybody knew about it. Everybody could tell. After Peter and John healed the lame man at the beautiful gate, Acts 4 verse 16 says, The rulers, the elders, and scribes said, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. The whole city, a huge city, Everybody knew about it. Bible miracles were performed under circumstances in which there was no doubt as to whether they were genuine or not. Have you noticed that the number of so-called miracles has gone down tremendously since everybody has cell phones and cameras? <laughs> you know, you don't hear about them near as often as you, ought, as you used to. There are some things about providence that we cannot know. Esther was asked in Esther 4 and verse 14, Who knows 
whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai sent the message. He didn't know if that was God's providence or not. But it was something for her to think about. Not even Paul was able to distinguish between providence and the natural. When he wrote to Philemon, writing about Onesimus, he said in, in verse 15, Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you may receive him forever, not as a slave, but as a beloved brother. We can't always tell whether it was God's providence or whether it was just something that happened. Especially at the time it's taking place. You don't know if it's a God's providence or if it's just something, something that happens. I'm convinced looking back in my life numerous times that it was God's providence that enabled that to happen. Uh, there's several in the body, but one of them converted through God's providence, putting us at the right place at the right time under the right circumstances. For a long time, we didn't think it would ever happen. But God providentially worked that out. Many of you know Mike McMahon that, that moved away from here. He came here by accident. He was trying to find a, a place where a friend of his went to church and he came to the wrong place, which he said was the right place <laughs> because we studied and converted that man. That's providence. You can look back and see things like that. The same is true about prayer. You know, you pray for something. Did it happen in answer to the prayer or would it have happened anyway? You know, we can't be dogmatic about it. We don't really know. Only God knows the answer to that. God knows whether it was his providence or if it were just a natural thing, whether it's you know something that we think of as providence or, or prayer. Only God knows those things. But why do we pray? Because God tells us to. Why do we believe in God's providence? Because we know that God uses that to provide for our needs. And so God teaches us about those things. But as far as human knowledge is concerned, a lot of times we pray for things that later on we, we don't, we realize we didn't want that to happen. The little song, uh, thank God for unanswered prayers. Sometimes oh, those are the best answers when God says no. A lot of times we want things and then we wish we hadn't got it. You know, there was a there was a man and his wife sitting in a in a in a train seat, and their little boy was behind them with a the nanny, and the little boy was whining and whining, and they, they turned around, what's the matter? Oh, he wants them. Give him what he wants, but no, give him what he wants. And she kept saying, but you don't understand. Just give him what he wants. And so, in a couple of minutes, he just screaming, just in pain. I said, what's the matter now? I said, he wanted that bee, and I let him have it. You know, sometimes we want, we think we want things and we realize we don't. We change our mind. God knows what we need more than we do sometimes. But we pray and we believe in God's providence in answering those prayers. Aren't you glad that we have a God 
that cares about us. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. God worked in Elijah's day using natural means in answering that prayer. God loves us today. And God's power is active. It's alive and well. He does it through natural means. Let's not confuse miracles and the purposes of them and God's providence. How wonderful it is to have a Father who loves us and provides for us. Philippians 4 and verse 19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to uh, His riches in glory by Jesus Christ. God is going to provide all of our needs, whatever they are, if we'll trust Him. As we learned in the lesson this morning, Doug's sermon, when we delight in God's Word, and we obey God's Word, God's going to delight in us and give us even more blessings. That's the way to get the most out of life. I hope this study has been beneficial to you as it was to me to understand and recognize the difference between miracles and God's divine providence. Tonight there may be those here who are, are not yet Christians. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've decided that's what I want to do. We'd be glad to assist you in that. Maybe you have other needs that you would like our prayers, and we'd be glad to do that for you as well. Whatever your need, come now while we stand and as we sing.